0: Today's Inside the Chapel podcast is presented by Sports Spectrum, the intersection of sports and faith. Make sure you check out sportspectrum.com right now and sign up for Sports Spectrum Weekly, our weekly email that comes right to your inbox for free to keep you updated on all of the content that Sports Spectrum is producing. Podcasts, articles, devotionals, all available for free at sportspectrum.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Chapel. My name is Reza Today, chaplain with the Denver Broncos. And today I'm here with my friend, my brother, Icky Soma. He is a chaplain of the Houston Rockets. And uh, we're actually going to have the treat of hearing uh, from Icky himself, give a talk uh, that he that he has given. The name of this talk is actually really interesting. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. It's dealing with knife wounds in the back. And uh, what happens when we are disappointed or when we're betrayed and how do we handle that? So go ahead and take a listen. And then afterwards I'll be back with Icky and we'll talk a little bit about his message.
1: Hey, great to see y'all tonight. I'm sure you got this advice from the NBA when you signed your contract um, is be careful who you trust because you probably saw the story about a decade ago, Tim Duncan the all-star power forward, uh, had a trusted financial advisor who ripped them off for $20 million. That's how much Tim Duncan estimates he got ripped off. And even after the court case four years later, the financial advisor was ordered to pay restitution of $7.5 million. So that still left Tim Duncan $12.5 million in the hole. And again, the hard thing is not just a loss of money, but really feeling betrayed. And you know what, as athletes and as coaches and just as human beings. We're going to be betrayed. We're going to place our trust in people. We're going to draw close and be intimate with people, and they're going to stab us in the back. And so what I want to look at today in our brief time in chapel is, what do you do when you're betrayed? What does the Bible say about being betrayed? And we're going to look at Psalm 55. So turn to your Psalm 55, and we'll find out what we should do when we're betrayed. And first off, this is what happens. There's what's called a natural response when we're betrayed. In this context, David Most likely is talking about the time he was betrayed by his trusted advisor, Ahithophel, who was his right-hand man, his trusted guy. And what happened? He betrayed him by going over to the side of Absalom, David's son, who was also against his father. So this psalm is probably the account of David saying how he felt and what he did after he had been betrayed by Ahithophel. Now, here's the thing. First, there's what's called the natural response to being betrayed. In Psalm 55, verse 4, he says, My heart is anguish; is an anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. He says, Fear and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So like most instances, what's going on is this, that whenever you encounter trauma or betrayal, our adrenaline, our cortisol kicks in. And you know the thing, there's the fight, flight, or freeze response. So the first thing he does is, In in verses uh, 5 and on through 15, he talks about this in verse 15. May death come deceitfully upon them. May they go down alive to Sheol, for evil is their dwelling in their midst. So he's basically saying, God, wipe them out. I want to fight them. I want to take them out. So that's a natural response of being betrayed. So if you have been betrayed or you're dealing with betrayal right now and you feel like, man, I want to fight. I'm angry. That's the fight response that we feel when we have that trauma of being betrayed. But the next thing he says in verses six through seven is this. I said, oh, that wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would flee far away and would spend my nights in the wilderness. So the second response is flight. We want to run away from it. When we experience betrayal, hurt and pain, we want to run from it. It's the flight syndrome. And the last one is verse 12. He says, for is not an enemy who taunts me that I can endure it. Nor is one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, that I could hide myself from him. So he says, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. It's his trusted friend, Ahithophel. But he says, then I could hide myself from him. So the last response is freeze. So sometimes when we're betrayed, we're just going to want to hide. We're going to just want to do absolutely nothing. Maybe binge watch on our favorite show because we're trying to hide from this betrayal that we've experienced. Now, here's the thing again. This is the natural response that whenever you are feeling betrayed, You'll feel it in your body. In verses 4 and 5, he talks about like this fear and trembling, this anxiety or this panic he's feeling inside of him. It's the natural response to having trauma or being betrayed. That's a good thing because God has put that in us as a survival thing. I don't know if you saw this, but two years ago in New Hampshire, there was a father going on a hike with his kids and a coyote came and grabbed his two-year-old son and took him away. And so all of a sudden the adrenaline, and the cortisol came in. He didn't flight, he didn't freeze, but said he chose to fight. And so this is what happened: he ran and chased the coyote. He put his arm around the coyote and he choked it out. He actually put his arm and choked this wild animal out to the point where the coyote eventually let go and he was able to save his son. So that's a good thing that whenever we experience trauma and stress, that that cortisol kicks in and we either fight, flight, or freeze. And that's what David talks about here. That's his natural response. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. The closer someone is to you, the greater they can hurt you. Because he says in verse 12, For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Not somebody far away that I don't know. He says, Because if it was, then I could endure it. Nor is there one who hates me, who's exalted himself against me, that I could hide myself from him. But he says in verse 13, But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, and my confidant, We who had sweet fellowship together, we walked in the house of God among the commotion. So he says, the reason why betrayal hurts in this case is because it's somebody that was close to David. And we all know that when there's somebody who you do not know, who tweets something negative about you or attacks you on social media, you're like, I couldn't even care less. But when someone who's close to you, a trusted financial advisor, here he says in verse 14, we had sweet fellowship, another brother in Christ, another teammate who's a Christian, another coach who's a Christian, and they're the ones that betray you, a family member, a day one, someone that you grew up with who betrays you, it hurts even more. Because here's the principle, the greater the intimacy and trust, the greater possibility of them hurting you. That's what happened in Jesus he was betrayed that's what happened to paul in 2 timothy 4 he was betrayed by those he was closest to now here's the thing that we find what's true in relationships is also true physically now there's a guy named connor Seifert. he has the world record for the longest knife throw hitting a human target he was able to do it from 40 yards away 112 feet now you're like that's amazing that someone can throw a knife that accurately from 40 yards away almost half the length of a football field he could throw a knife at a human sized target and hit it. Here's what they don't tell you it took Connor Seifert 80 tries to get there. 80 tries. Now, if Connor Seifert were right next to you, close to you, standing like maybe a foot away from you, it would not take him 80 tries to stab you in the back. It would only take him one try. Because again, the principle is the greater the intimacy, the greater the opportunity for betrayal and even uh, breaking that trust. So again, there's a natural response. But what David now takes us to is what I call the supernatural response. Look at verse 16. He says, As for me, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and moan and he will hear my voice. He says, He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me for there are many who are aggressive toward me. God will hear and humiliate them. So here's what he does. He says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And the way I demonstrate that is prayer. Prayer. So when you've been betrayed, when you've been betrayed and hurt by someone, a financial advisor, a teammate, or someone else, a former girlfriend, he says, he prays. Initially, he says, fight, fight, freeze. That comes about. The adrenaline kicks in. The natural response. But he says, I'm now having a supernatural response. And the first thing I do is pray. And then notice this in verse 22 and 23. He says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken, but you, God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days. Now notice this very end, but I will trust in you. So rather than fighting, rather than flighting, rather than freezing, he says, God, I put that person in your hands. The person that hurt me, the person that betrayed me, the person that stole from me. I'm gonna put them in your hands and I'll give them to you and allow you to do with them what you want to do. Because why? Verse 23 says, because I will trust in you. So that's a supernatural response when we have been betrayed by an agent, by an advisor, by a former girlfriend, by a family member, by another teammate, by a coach, by a, uh, maybe a media sports guy that betrays you. You share a secret with them and they betray you. The supernatural response is to trust God. How do we do that? Four ways. Number one is this, is by prayer. He says, again, verse 16 and 17, he says, I'm going to pray to you. The second one is by not taking revenge. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, uh, Romans basically says, hey, do not take vengeance. Give it to God, for vengeance belongs to God. So don't take revenge. And the second thing, I'm sorry, the third thing, 2 Timothy four sixteen. Paul has been betrayed by people. What does he say in verse 16 of 2 Timothy 4? He says, I, but I forgive them. So forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness means even when you remember the offense, the trauma, the pain, the, the broken trust, the betrayal, you no longer hold that sin or offense against them. Just like God does. God separates us from our sins as far as east is from the west. Here's a God who's omniscient, who knows everything, remembers everything, and yet, when it comes to our sin, because of Jesus, he separates us from our sin. Now, does that mean foolishness? We get that confused, forgiving and foolishness. It doesn't mean foolishness. Now, do you go back to that agent who betrayed you or go back to that financial advisor who betrayed you and give him another $3 million? Of course not. You find a new agent. You find a new financial advisor. That ex-girlfriend that you told secrets to who betrayed your trust, you now tell them secrets and stuff? Of course not. But when it comes to what they did to you in the past, you now no longer hold that against them. You don't take revenge and you forgive them. And the last thing we can do to demonstrate our trust is this, is take the risk. I know it's hard when you've been betrayed by an agent, a friend, a family member, a financial advisor, now to trust somebody. And But that's what happens with David. David has... Close friendships like with Jonathan and others. He has his band of men that he trusts. Because again, if we go on living life afraid to take the risk of developing intimate close friendships, of having another agent, of having another financial advisor, then we'll never get anywhere. So the last way that we can demonstrate trust is this, is take the risk of entering into new friendships and relationships. Um. In Isaiah 53, you you would understand this as players. You may get fouled by somebody. And the natural response when you get fouled by somebody, when someone hurts you, when someone attacks you, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is to take matters in your own hands. Again, adrenaline, cortisol, fight, flight, or freeze. But here's something that the NBA has provided, and you all know this, Is that if you have been wronged, if you have been fouled, all you need to do, even though you may be tempted to take matters in your own hands, is you simply have to look for the man with the stripes. The referee, the NBA has provided referees, the NCAA has provided referees, the man with the stripes. And you simply, if you've been fouled, if you've been hurt, you look to the referee and now he has the authority to do what needs to be done to that person who hurt you or offended you or hacked you, or whatever it is. And you know what? You may say, well, that'd be nice if we had a referee, someone, a man with the stripes in our lives that could handle when we've been betrayed or hurt or lied on. Is there someone like that? And Isaiah 53 says it this way, that by his stripes, we're healed, that Jesus Christ is our man with the stripes. When you've been wrong, because you trust God, because you depend on him, you can look to Jesus again through prayer by not taking revenge, by placing that person in his hands, and then also forgiving that person by releasing the offense. Doesn't mean foolishness, it doesn't mean you give them another million dollars, but it means that when you think about what they did to you, you now let it go, you release it, you no longer hold it against them. And now you're also willing to take the risk of entering into new friendships, to get a new agent, to get a new financial advisor because again, you trust the Lord. Again, verse 23, here is David, King David, who's been hurt by Ahithophel, betrayed by his son Absalom, betrayed by Ahithophel as well. But he ends verse 23, the end of Psalm 55 says, but I will trust in you. So friends, brothers, look to the man with the stripes. If you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, there's always a natural response, fight, flight, or freeze. But now, through the empowerment of the Spirit, take the supernatural response of trusting God, looking to the man with the stripes, Jesus Christ. Because he too was betrayed, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God bless you.
0: Well, Icky, I know our listeners have always enjoyed uh, hearing from you. You know, your your messages are always some of our, some of our highest rated and people really enjoy it. But uh, Icky, I know this, uh, when you're giving a chapel talk, or when you're giving a talk or even a sermon at church, there's always more to the story that you're not able to fit in. Um, Icky, I would love to hear a little bit more from you, uh, what you wish you would have said or what's the rest of the story or maybe even what prompted you to give this kind of a talk? Maybe that's a better question to start with. Why this title? Why this talk?
1: Yeah, you know, um, when I was in seminary at Dow Seminary, like you, Reza, uh, I heard a lot of chapel messages and, and lessons on how to do ministry. But one thing I never heard was on betrayal. And through years of ministry, I just experienced so much betrayal that I thought to myself, if I ever get a chance to go back to Dow Seminary and speak in chapel to students, I want to do a message on betrayal because it's something that you're going to have to learn how to handle and deal with and forgive people. Uh, And then second, yeah, I think if I could have a longer time, the message and, you know, chapel so short, uh, very often, I would have given an illustration of the life of Joseph, where he was betrayed by his brothers sold into slavery. And then his brothers think, oh, no, he's going to pay us back for the evil we did to him. And then that classic line in Genesis 50, 20 says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And it was this trust in God that helped him forgive his brothers and not retaliate and pay back and care for his brothers and his family, even after they had done him wrong. So I think. If there was something to add, it would be that very practical illustration or picture in the Bible of someone who's done wrong, who's betrayed, who forgave his brothers because he trusted God and then said, I see the big picture now. Reza, I'm sure you've got seen it as well. Maybe you've seen it in your life or in the life of athletes where maybe they're betrayed by another player or by an agent or you, by somebody. And yet now you're like, you know what? I trust God. I forgive him. And I can see what God was doing, both to develop character in me, but also work out his plan. So how how's that played out in your life?
0: Yeah, man, I think for me, I mean I've I've I think relationships get messy and relationships always get messy, no matter how godly people are. And I had, you know, I've had my fair share of uh stories where people have hurt me. I've had quote unquote church hurt me, uh the church I was serving at. And so we've we've all gone through those things. And I think there's this initial period of shock. And I also think there's sometimes some of the shock comes from wait a minute, I can't believe that person did that to me. One, I thought they loved me. Two, we've been friends for a long time. Three, aren't you a Christian? Like, how could you do that? Or how could you think that of me? Or why can't can't we just sit down and process through that? So I think that, yeah, I think every one of us struggle, I don't struggle is the word, wrestle with this issue of um, being betrayed and having to forgive and having to engage in that. So, you know, for me, you know, I've got athletes that, you know, people um, have come to them and, uh, I think one of the hardest things of working with pro athletes is hear the stories of how people have tried to use them and take advantage of them. And the worst part of that is how people have done that in the name of Jesus and how uh, Christians have done that as well.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing I'd mention, too, is uh, if I ask you or any of our listeners right now, name three people that have betrayed you, that have hurt you. I think we all have a list in our minds of like that person, that person, that former coworker, but I'd also flip it and say, you know what, can you think of three people that you've betrayed that you've hurt because it goes both ways we're human and uh, we all still have this thing called the flesh and so I'd also encourage our listeners don't just think about the people that have hurt you and forgiving them and trusting God and those things but also perhaps God is nudging your heart to say hey. You've hurt some people as well. You've betrayed some people as well. Who do you need to go to and ask for forgiveness and try to make things right? So that's why I'd probably add as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's great. Hey, bud, I think you you made this one point and I kind of want to talk about a little bit that, you know, there's this truth that like when, when, when somebody might fire off an email or something that disagrees with you or tweets at you or whatever, and it's almost, and, and I think it stings. I think some of us actually, it stings more than it stings others, I think based on personality. But I also think like the closer you are with someone um, words cut deeper when your relationship with that person is deeper. And I think that's where we feel actually betrayed, not just wrong, but we feel betrayed with people that are really close with us.
1: Yeah. I think I gave the analogy of, again, the knife thrower from like a far distance away a knife throw is not very accurate, but when he gets close, you know, all of us can hit a bullseye up close. And so because of that, Same thing is true. The risk of intimacy is always we're created for community. God made us that way. It's not good for the man to be alone, but the risk of intimacy with people, whether it's our wife, friends, people at church, other players and coaches, is the people closest to us also have the greatest opportunity to hurt us. So we're vulnerable. And um, so that's always a risk in that. And that's the story of David and Ahithophel. Ahithophel was like his advisor, his homeboy. They worshiped together. They did life together. They went fishing together, hunting together, all those things they did life. And that's what really hurt David. It wasn't some far off stranger he didn't know. It was because of that relationship. So I would also say that to our listeners as well, that um, don't let the risk of that prevent you from developing close, intimate relationships and being vulnerable people, because that's how God designed us to be. And that's the way that God uses uh, others to help us grow and mature like Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, man, I want to talk about this thing, forgiveness, because forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is great when we talk about God forgiving us, but forgiveness and forgiving other people, that is something that we wrestle with. And, uh, you know, the the old adage, you know, about forgiveness actually lets you off the hook, not the other person. Um, do you have any final thoughts on just that idea of forgiveness? And then we'll we'll wrap up here today.
1: Yeah, it's again, this old ad is like you mentioned, like unforgiveness or bitterness is you drinking the poison, hoping the other person's going to die. And it just it just affects you. And so again, if you have this rooted trust in the Lord, like God, you know what you're doing, you've allowed this, you have a plan for me, and you forgive me, God, you're a perfect God who forgave imperfect me. How can I withhold forgiveness from somebody that's imperfect like me? And so yeah, I think that's the, the standard, you know, it says at the end of I think Colossians 3, that our standard for forgiveness is Jesus Christ. Just as we've been forgiven in Christ, we're, we ought to forgive others. So um, I would just say that, that yes, it's it's not forgetting, because we often say forgive and forget, because yeah. here's a God who's omniscient. He knows everything, remembers everything, and yet he now releases us. He no longer holds our sin against us. And Reza, that's what forgiveness is, is that when you think of that offense, how that person betrayed you or hurt you, you say, I'm no longer going to hold it against them. Now, does that mean you run back and your best friends and you loan them money again or whatever? I always tell people forgiveness is also not foolishness. I get this question all the time. If this you know, ex-husband of mine abused me physically, do I just forgive him and just run back and let him beat me up again? Of course not. You still act in wisdom and you walk wisely. But forgiveness, really, again, is for you to say, when I think of that offense, when I think of that betrayal, I no longer hold it against that person And I ask God to help me release it, to let it go and forgive them, just like God does with us. He separates our sins from us as far as what? East is from the West.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's so great. Well, Ikky, thanks for blessing us once again um, with your godly teaching. And uh, thank you so much um, for who you are, buddy. Well, friends, this is another episode of Inside the Chapel. I want to say thank you so much for subscribing. I I ask that you'll subscribe, that you'll rate us, uh, that you'll share us. This helps us be seen and lets other people hear these messages uh, that pro-college and Olympic athletes themselves are hearing um, when they compete. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of Inside the Chapel.